Optimize My Life, the ultimate radio show where we unlock the secrets to living our best lives. Now, before we dive into this exciting journey of self-improvement and empowerment, I want to take a moment to thank our incredible sponsor, The Hope Collection, for making this show possible. Their unwavering commitment to spreading hope and positivity in our lives is truly remarkable. We believe in the power of interaction, so we want you to be a part of this incredible journey. Call in, write to us, or connect on social media. We'd love to hear your questions, experiences, and challenges. Together, we'll create a thriving community of like-minded individuals, supporting each other to thrive and shine. Alexis? Yes, hello. Hi. Hi, Can you, you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me all right? Uh, not really. Okay, let me, can you hear me better now? A little bit better. How are you? I'm so sorry. (laughs) I love technology. I'm so not good at it. (laughs) Yeah. I have to say, I am trying a new setup for you today um, because of the the message I got for this platform, so... So okay. I'm not sure. We'll see how it goes. Okay. Well, so far we're good because if I'm hearing you and you hear me, I think that's per- the perfect world. Okay. Yay. Fantastic. Awesome. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Very well, thank you. My first question is, are you in a cold part of the U.S. or are you in the um, summertime part of the U.S.? I live in Southern California, so... Okay, so you're in the, in the nice part of the U.S. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it does, it has been getting too freezing at night because we are in a semi-arid place. Um, so the, the difference between night and day is significant, but, um, you know, the day, we do have mid-60s. So uh, it's definitely not like the middle of the country. <laughs> oh, I didn't think. So. Well, you know, I don't. Have I been in Southern Cal at this time of the year? I don't even know. I'm I'm straight across from you. I'm in South Florida. Okay. And today it was like 80. Yeah. See, that's like summertime, really. Yeah. Yeah, we had our two days of um, winter that lasted, I think, in December, and now we're uh, we're getting ready for spring, summer, so we're ready to go. There you go. <laughs> awesome. First of all, thank you so much for being patient with me while I try to learn this. I'm not very good at it yet, but I will get there one day. And thank you for being here today because I am so excited. I've been reading your Facebook page and your uh, Twitter, not Twitter, your TikTok, 
And okay. so I was like, oh, my goodness, wow, I can't wait to hear about you. <laughs> the growling in the background is my little four-legged business partner who was quiet all night. And now he has decided that he wants to raise his voice. Honestly, I couldn't even hear him. So I think we're, I think we're golden. Okay, good. So anyway, um, let me just do my intro. I haven't done it. Hi, everyone. I am Heather Mahoney, and this is Roadmap in Your Life. Here we focus on four things um, with amazing, wonderful, extraordinary women. It's a, a woman who, who has or is currently in the process of redesigning her life after one, two, three, or all four. And the four things that they usually are redesigning from are wanting the ending of a relationship, good or bad, whether they initiated or they didn't, um, a, a career stop, a financial or health crisis, and or the loss of a loved one. And I went through all four within a very short period of time, and I had to redesign my life. And today, I have redesigned it to where I'm living my most extraordinary life, and I am so in love with it. And I would love to hear how other women did it and how they walked through the challenges they faced to redesign their life so that they are now living their extraordinary life. So tonight we have Alexis Duncan. I may not pronounce it right. If I didn't, I'll correct me, please. But we're going to hear her amazing story. And as you know, the format is there are no pre-registered questions. We just let Alexis tell her story. And here and there, I may just ask some clarity questions. So welcome, Alexis. Thank you so much for having me. I, I love the intention behind your podcast is fabulous. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. So tell me about you. Yes. Well, <laughs> I got long COVID in March of 2020. So right at the beginning of the pandemic. And that really just threw my whole life through a loop. I really, I mean, everything had to be <laughs> reconsidered. That's a very pragmatic way of putting it. But, you know, I lost my health. And the the adage that if you don't have your health, you don't have anything, it's really true. Um, because you're so focused on your physical experience you can't think about anything else. You can't address anything else until you've come to some kind of equilibrium with your body. And right. for me at that time, you know, nobody knew anything. Like we didn't know, you know, was I still contagious? Um, you know, how, like what, what was the correct treatment plan, you know, no, the doctors didn't know anything. I had so like a huge battery of tests that they did. They gave me all kinds of medications. Um, just like the acute illness of COVID, um, long COVID has a cycle, you know, a cyclical symptoms. So I would have like one dominant symptom, like 
fatigue so bad that I really couldn't even get out of bed for days. And that might be together with something like losing my appetite. And then I would have like cognitive decline be the thing that like was the big issue for me. And then I would have like chronic migraine or I would have like gastrointestinal things. And this was just, um, you know, it was, it, it was extremely difficult at the beginning because of that lack of knowledge, um, because of the unknown. I was put into isolation for 11 weeks. And at the oh, time, wow. yeah, it was, it was terrible because I have two kids. And at the time, my youngest was still nursing. And so because of that, they would let me nurse her, but then they would take her away, you know, and keep me in isolation. And so it was very traumatizing. Um, My oldest was in first grade or no, not, not even in first grade, they were still in kindergarten. And so it was like, really, really traumatizing for these little people. Couple quick questions. Yeah. How active were you before, you know, say if you go back to December 2019, January Mm -hmm. 2020, how active were you? I mean, I was, you know, I would say that I was like a typical, um, like, stay-at-home mom where I was – I was actually, I was taking a break from work stuff at the time, um, but I was, you know, doing activities with my kids. I was um, having friend dates for myself, go on dates with my husband. I was um, active in a church community. I was, um, you know, I would go different places. I would go on regular walks. Um, I would go on hikes. We would go camping sometimes, you know, things that you so had a normal would, life. Yeah, just just normal, like nothing. You know, I wasn't like a super athlete or anything by any stretch, um, but like normal. You know, I would do. I'm like a crafty person, and so I would, you know, make things for people and whatnot, and you know, take care of the house stuff, um, those kinds of things. And so, so I, I'm sorry. No, no, I was going to ask. So, you know, in March 2020, no one even knew the term long COVID or no. anything other than that. So yeah. how long into the process before they said, oh, you know, let's determine or we've determined you now have COVID long, long, term. is it long COVID? It's, yeah, is they call the it right long word? COVID, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, you know, it actually took a long time because my medical team, I I mean, I had my primary care physician, and then I was also seeing um, a lot of of physician's assistants, and and then, of course, specialists for different issues that came up for symptoms that they didn't know what was going on, and they had to check everything, um, you know, just to make sure. so some of the specialists would come back and say, you definitely have long COVID. Like, like by the time I was 
I think I saw a pulmonologist, I think it was in May or June. And I think by that point, the pulmonologist said, you definitely have long COVID. Like, that's what is going on for you. And so were you tested negative during that time? Well, see, this is the thing that they didn't know yet. They didn't realize that you could have the acute COVID infection months before you got long COVID. And my family actually got sick in January. And we had textbook COVID symptoms, but nobody realized that it was even in the U.S. at that point. So Got it. they didn't like, you know, the kids were not really very sick. It was just the adults and we were having the cycles of symptoms. They were the exact symptoms that everybody was talking about. It lasted for two weeks and then it was done. And so we had those, you know, like I had those two months of time where I was normal and then it hit at the exact same time that the country shut down, which was just wild. It was like my body was like, okay, everything's <laughs> shutting down. <laughs> I was like, thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> oh, so that was exciting. <laughs> Yeah, that's one way to put it. <laughs> so but, you had a, a, a child in kindergarten that now you were home. How? Let me ask you this question because I know I only had one child and he was in high school when COVID hit. Okay, so how well did you learn to appreciate the teachers? Well, I mean, uh, so it was really. I mean, doing Zoom school for as long as we did was so Mm -hmm. brutal. I mean, it was so brutal Um, just because these are really, these are really young kids and the socialization aspect is like, we don't really, we didn't really know how that was going to play out for, for kids, but now, um, you can, I mean, like I talked to my friends who are, who are educators and they're like, the, the kids that are coming in now into transitional kindergarten and pre-K, they Mm -hmm. are a mess because they were not socialized. They didn't have the early socialization in the same way that say my oldest child did. I mean, like, yeah, I needed to take him to, you know, he needed, he had therapy for everything that happened. Um, but he's normal. You know? <laughs> like, like he, he doesn't, there's nothing, I mean, like, he, like, processed it, and he's good. Like, he dealt with the issue, and he's good. Um, but these kids, like, they have lasting repercussions because they were born during the pandemic, and they did not have friends. They they're still figuring out how to be with other people because they just right. don't know. They, they didn't have right. the models. They didn't have the experience in the same way that, um, that my son did, for example. Um, so, you know, and then my youngest, like she had some of it, um, 
but you know, she, she was like cut off in the middle and it was incredibly traumatizing for her. And it, you know, it, it was, it was very painful for all of us, you know, and we like, that was one of the areas in my life that I really had to work at um, was parenting, um, parenting through the pandemic, parenting my kids through this traumatic experience, getting them the supports they needed um, with, you know, counseling supports, and then figuring out what kind of supports they needed in school in order mm-hmm. to get them to a place where they had, um, you know, coping strategies and they were able to uh, regulate themselves in a better way and process uh, this difficult thing because this is a major trauma is when you're, when a parent, somebody who's supposed to be your rock is suddenly sick, you know, and you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, my husband, especially during those 11 weeks, but even after that for within the, you know, the first few years, he was like, like, are, is she going to be okay? Like, is she going to make it through this? You know, we didn't, we just didn't know. I had this moment at many times during those, those first weeks where I was like, am I going to, am I going to live? I don't know if I'm going to live or not. And, and how did that, you know, that's scary in itself. I know yes. like when I Mine's a long time ago. My son has now just turned 20 last week. Mm -hmm. But I still remember um, 20 years ago as it was yesterday because when I gave birth, I almost died in childbirth and after. And my feelings were, oh, my goodness, I wanted to be pregnant to have this child and not knowing if I was going to live live was Mm -hmm. the most, debilitating feeling, frustration, anger, fear. I don't even know how to describe it. I've ever felt. Did you have those feelings, um, you know, going through your COVID and, you know, you have a newborn with you, you have a, a one in almost pre-K or pre-K, and it's, and then you have a husband. It's like, what do you do? How How did you cope with that? Well, so I, you know, I have a kind of, there were, there were two things that happened really. One was I, I asked myself, if I die tomorrow, how would I feel? And I thought about it and I've actually done, you know, I'm I'm not, I'm still, pretty young, you know, I'm, I'm 41 now. And, um, and even at that point, I was like, I've done basically all the things I really want to do. I don't feel like there's anything on my bucket list that I have to do. So I was like, I don't feel like I have any regrets with that. But it became really clear and and they they've done studies that show this that when you get close to death your priorities change and you don't care about doing things as much 
you care about time with people. And that was very true for me. You know, I wrote letters to my children and to my husband um, saying the things that I wanted them to know just in case. Um, and I, whenever I had a moment with them, I would be really deeply present. And that's something that I've carried with me to now is that I will, you know, they'll be sitting next to me and I'll just give them a hug. And like one of my kids, I'll whisper in their ear and I'll say, I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. You bring me joy every day. I'm so grateful I get to be your mom. You know, just so that they know and they feel that. And then I'm thinking about that just at a random moment in the middle of the day. Um, that is so true. I, to this day, you know, my son is at college and I will text him, I love you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it, and there's no set time, place, or or anything. I mm-hmm. just do it because I am in, in such appreciation that I get to see him start living his dreams. And yours are young. But just watching them enjoying the moment that they're in is such a joy for me. Totally. Totally. And, Yeah. So when I redesign my life, you are so right that I redesign it to appreciate and to say to those that I love, I love you. Yes. Yeah, really important. Yeah, and and not just, I mean, like, I do that with my friends too. You know, like, I, it, it it just shifts things, you know, like, I'll just be like, and this is kind of part of my work is, um, you know, somebody will just come, like, just the idea of someone will come to the forefront of my thoughts, and I'll be like, you know what, I'm just going to message them. I'm just going to send them a text, or, you know, I'm just going to give them a call, or whatever. I'll be like, hey, I was thinking about you, you know? And it doesn't even have to, like, it might just be that, but I just make a point to do that. And I also make a point to you know, to say whatever it is, like if, if I'm, if I'm even out like at the grocery store and I notice the cashier has really cool nails, <laughs> I will say, oh, wow, I really love your nails. They are so fantastic. You know, I'll, I'll say that. And it seems like such a goofy little thing, but honestly, I feel like those are the moments that life is made for. It's those little okay. things and, and showing those like little appreciations. And it feels really good to say those things out loud and to awesome. have those And you those didn't moments. do this before. I mean, I did it some, but I would say that I definitely do it more now. I'm much more willing to initiate social interaction than I ever was before, um, before I got sick. Because I I think it's just, yeah, I just, I appreciate the moment. I appreciate the gift of the 
the interaction and the possibility that's there because you never know, Mm -hmm. you know, what somebody's going through. And that's what I think about. I think about that because this is an invisible illness. I mean, now I'm walking around, I'm, I'm in a really, I'm in a really good place and I still get flares sometimes, you know, I just had a migraine this past weekend. Um, and I had to stay in bed on Saturday so that I could do life on Sunday and Monday, you know? Um, Yeah. And so I, I just, I don't know what's going to happen. And so I just want to be there for whatever is there in that moment. I just, I've just gotten to be a lot more present and, um, and I like that. That's amazing. So, um, well, let me just be nosy for one second and you don't have to answer. <laughs> you can be nosy. It's fine. <laughs> now, has your, your husband noticed and now does he love the new you versus the old you before COVID. Yes. And here's why. During my illness, we actually were on the verge of a divorce because it was so like our relationship was not great before I got sick. Like we had some issues that we hadn't fully dealt with. And because of my illness, those issues came to the forefront like we we couldn't ignore them anymore and so we actually gave ourselves we had this you know we had a come to jesus moment as i would say and um and we said like okay we're gonna give ourselves six months we're gonna figure ourselves out and we're gonna revisit like how how do we feel in six months you know it's like it's uh you know should or get off the pot and um And so we worked at it. You know, we owned the fact that we both had contributed to that situation, that we both had things that we had to do. um, And we committed to working on them and to seeing what would happen, you know, and being okay with however that happened, you know, like being okay with the fact that maybe it wouldn't work out, um, which is scary um, you know, that's a like really scary place to be. It's, it's not fun. Um, but in the end, like we both really loved being together and we really loved our family that we had made together. And so we, we just committed to like keep working at it and getting better. And so, you know, I, got better at communicating with him and he got better at communicating with me. I made a concerted effort to compliment him and, you know, show him appreciation in the ways that he needed. And, you know, he made those efforts to me and we got, you know, we just got closer. And I would say that our relationship is the best it's ever been since we went through that fire um, well, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, 
it was not fun, but <laughs> but it was necessary. So yeah. Well, you know, that's another gratitude of appreciation because had you not gotten COVID, you'd probably be a single parent um, to your two kids, raising Mm -hmm. them and, you know, sharing um, parentship with him in some place and frustrated somewhere, you know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I applaud you for having the courage to dive into it. And to say, okay, uh, you know, I'm going to make the best decision, and we're going to we're going to work at it. And if it works out to that we're together, awesome. If it works out that we're separate, that's awesome too. But there's nothing we tried, mm-hmm. so that's you know, I applaud you for that. So yeah. that's really fabulous. Okay, <laughs> so. You you so the um, the long COVID has had some residual effects that you have to navigate around and through in in terms of it. Today I think what I saw it, this is twenty four. COVID is like what three years old now. Well, technically oh, three and a half years old. Four, yeah, almost four-year anniversary, actually. Four-year anniversary of it. Um, if, if we, when you compare the old you from 2019, um, because it really hit in 2020, from mm-hmm. 2019 to now January 2004, how much do you love yourself more today versus yesterday? So I actually feel like I'm the best version of myself so far Um, because I really feel like my illness caused me to break everything and rebuild it in, in a very intentional way. You know, I had to be very clear about how I was going to do everything. Um, So from the food that I eat to how much time I spend socializing to how much time I spend resting to my relationships with my children, to my relationship with my husband, how much time I'm working, all of these different things. I am incredibly intentional in a way that I was not capable of being at that point. And I was just talking with someone the other day about how in the morning I think about when I wake up, when I go downstairs to get breakfast, I think about what would I like? What would bring me joy today? What would feel good for my body today? And then I decide what I'm going to eat. You know, like I have like, a menu of options in my head, but like I listen to my body and to my heart, you know, my spirit to see what makes the most sense for me. And I, I didn't do that before. Um, you know, and I do that with like, with everything, I'll be like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to slow down now. I'm going to really be present with my daughter as she's doing her homework. 
you know, I'm going to focus on this thing now. You know, what's the most important thing for me right now? What's the priority for me now? So, I mean, I, I can't even, when I was in 2019, I, I probably would have fantasized about how I'm approaching life at this point. And I couldn't, like, I might have been able to kind of imagine it or imagine parts of it. But mm-hmm. but as far as, like, what that would be, like, practically, no, I had I had no conception of what that could be. And so even though getting long COVID was awful, and I would never wish that on anyone, I am profoundly grateful that I went through this experience because it really transformed me into the person I am today. And I love it. (laughs) I love it. I love where I am right now. I love my trajectory. I love it. I love that I'm having this conversation with you right now. and, and, And that's the best part about when we get to redesign from something that we didn't expect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I'm i not a car enthusiast, enthusiast, but I, I kind of like compare everything as if I was driving on a highway. And, you know, I'm cruising down the road and I'm listening to my Eagles music and it's just uh, that peaceful, easy feeling and I'm so happy, da, 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 da. And boom, something happens, whether it's a tire blowout or a traffic mm-hmm. jam or something. It's just like, yeah. whoa, this wasn't supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And my world goes, and then it's like, wait a minute, I have to recompose myself and and move forward. You know, like I said, mine was um, after 14 years of being married, the ex-husband came and said to me, I filed for divorce, you'll be served next week. (laughs) And the first thing that went through my mind was failure. Second Mm. thing was anger. And the Mm. third thing was anger. Yeah, and it was not what I expected, not what I wanted, not what I needed. But today, I am so thankful. I I won't tell him that, but (laughs) I am so thankful that he did that Mm. because it got me to be um to emancipate myself from all of the things that were holding me back, all the chains, all mm. the flat tires. Yeah. That were holding me back from being me. I've since written a book. I'm working on my second book. I've created this life that I love. Yeah. And I am enjoying every single moment. I wasn't before. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I say when you and others or me, when we redesign, we get to choose what we put in. It's like making breakfast. I get to choose what I want for breakfast. Yes. Yeah. 
And that's the best ever because then I enjoyed so much. It's like, oh, my God, I want pancakes with blueberries today. No, I don't want that because I don't really like blueberries in my pancakes. <laughs> yeah. So I know that feeling, and it's such joy. You know, um, I do something, and I'm going to talk about your career in a moment. I do something called a passion test, and I redid mine um, last Thursday. And it was amazing because for the first time, I am so in love with the five things that make my my life complete. I am like, oh, my God. It's like I read that list every day, and I'm like, whoa, this is so cool. This is so cool. (laughs) That's awesome. Love it. And it's like joy. So, but I see that you do something really fantastic. So tell me more about what you do professionally because I love that. Because as you <laughs> re- redesign, I know this came into being, into being more powerful for you and for those that you serve. So tell me more about that. Yes. So I am a psychic and intuitive life coach, and I was actually born psychic, um, but my parents are both ordained ministers. So it kind of took me a while to come out of the psychic closet um, and really own that. And I will say that because of my illness and because of everything that happened during this time, I have really stepped into what I feel called to do. Um, My big why is that I want everyone to be who they are divinely intended to be. And I would say that what that means is being who you are your youest you. And so what I do with my work is really creating space for people to be that, to embrace that. Um, I would say that everybody has the wiring to be psychic, just like everybody could play basketball, but we're all not Kobe Bryant, you know? Um, Right. So, and we're all at different places of our spiritual journey, like whether we're actively engaging in that or not, some part of us is spiritual, like we're still being affected by our spiritual experience, like (laughs) there is spirit out there, (laughs) you know, Um, and it's okay, like wherever anyone is, it's fine. Um, But primarily the people that I work with are people that are starting to discover this world. Um, They're starting to discover their spirituality. They're feeling, um, you know, maybe a little overwhelmed. They want to get control over what's going on. Um, They want somebody that feels safe, who will hold space for them and accept them wherever they are and give them expert advice that they need. And mm-hmm. so, so that's, that's really what I do for, for my clients. And it is such a joy because I will say that everyone 
that I have worked with is an absolutely beautiful human being. And being able to be part of that journey and to assist them in that journey and all of the goodness that they're doing in the world, it's, it's such a joy and it, it feels like such a blessing to be able to do that. That's fabulous. And um, so you help, if I were my, if I were your client, I come to you mm-hmm. and I say, how would you solve my pain point? What's my pain point? Why am I coming to you? <laughs> so, um, so basically what you'd say is like, okay, I'm seeing something I don't, I don't understand what is happening to me or maybe you are wanting to like tap into your intuition better. Maybe you're having dreams that are coming true and you don't like that they're coming true or they're, they're waking you up in the middle of the night or you have a house that's going bump at the night and maybe it's not actually the house. Maybe it's, you know, something that you are experiencing personally. Um, and so what I do is I help you untangle that. I help you, I would help you set spiritual boundaries. I'd help you get control over your abilities so that you can get messages from spirit, understand what they mean, when you want them, how you want them, where you want them. So you can tap into your intuition and use that as a kind of real-life superpower whenever you want, however you want, and feel confident in um, the steps you're making and, and feel secure that you are fulfilling your purpose. Okay. Okay, so you're not reading cards for me. I do do that as well. Um, Some people do come to me for things like that. So I do have psychic readings. I do have like um, an Ask a Psychic session, which is, um, it's good basically for uh, one question. So if you were calling for an Ask a Psychic session, that's like a 20-minute conversation where I would help you find um, the answer that you're looking for possibly give you assurances of where you are on your trajectory and give you an action plan um, of where to go with that. And so people will come to me asking me questions about career or relationships or money or just general life stuff. Um, You know, they come to me at those crossroads moments. However, almost all of them (laughs) are also developing and so they also have these questions about how to navigate their spirituality. And, um, and that's really ends up being the, the thing that they're really looking for. Right. You know, for whatever reason, I think Siri should be a point of everything because she is so good in telling me when to redirect or reroute. <laughs> <laughs> Because I, I, I get lost going straight. <laughs> just, oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, so I would be like your Siri. 
And, you know, I think that's the best thing that um, probably, probably the best thing that ever was invented was the Siri thing that says, you know, reroute, reroute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. when I'm trying to and I can't find it. Okay. So I, I totally get that you are my navigator and help helping helping me to find my way out of the circle. There's a mall that's a little bit ways from me. It's like one of the bigger malls. Everybody goes there. I can't stand it because it's a it's a circle. And every time I go into this mall I can't find my way out because it's Oh a no. Oh no. <laughs> so it's like Oh, we're going to go to talk. No, that's okay. <laughs> I don't need that. But um, I, but I've come to learn that um, I like maps, very simple. Well, not necessarily. I like one, two, three, four, five. That's about all I, my brain can handle is just five points. And mm-hmm. then after I finish that five, then you give me another five and I stay long. But don't yeah. give me six because that's just way too much for me. But um, so you give them an action plan to yeah. help them navigate through their abyss or their darkness. Yes. Yeah. In finding more clarity as to mm-hmm. what they want. So what do your clients say about you? What would they What would they say? <laughs> um, I've had. A client say that I'm their personal Yoda. <laughs> most most okay. of my clients, most of my clients say, um, you know, like if I'm doing a reading, for example, they'll be like, "You, this is so spot on. I can't believe, like, how did you know that?" And I'm like, "You're talking to someone you know is psychic, and you're asking me this question, but it's fine." <laughs> I'd be like, "Okay." <laughs> It's going to happen several more times with this conversation, just so you know, because it always happens, because it will happen. That's just how this goes. Um, I mean, I have people that it just, there's something so powerful when someone sees you and hears you. And that feeling of being seen and heard at such a deep level is so incredibly cathartic. And so my clients, almost all my clients come back, you know, they're, they're, they're almost all recurring clients. And they're so grateful for the experience and for the time together. They feel deeply affirmed. And they just, I mean, you know, they really in my bio it says that I'm the witchy bestie that you that you've always wanted and it's true i mean we it, the conversation is like talking to a friend because that's how it is you know i take this very very seriously it's very intimate because i'm essentially touching your soul there's nothing more intimate than what i do professionally nothing right there's this is a very deeply sacred thing. And so I, I really show 
a lot of love to my clients and they feel that. And so they often laugh and cry after in within a session and they're like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, it's fine. It's okay. This is a lot. This is deep. We're touching things that you maybe are, you know, this is making you vulnerable and it's okay. And like, I expect to have that happen. <laughs> so it's okay. Like it, it's not, you know, I've done this before. It's fine. And they can feel safe letting their guard down and expressing those things, you know? Um, I just, I love, I love my clients and they love me. Do you, um, since the long COVID, do you, do you attract more clients who are coming through that COVID channel or just it's just the general population as a whole? I wouldn't say that it's necessarily long COVID, but I do notice that people that I do have clients with chronic illness, um, and I don't know if it's more or less than before, but they know that I get them, you know, um, and they know that I that I understand that that experience of the mystery illness, of the chronic illness, of the invisible illness, and um, and that's another level of empathy that I can extend them that maybe somebody who hasn't walked that walk can't. Um, right. And so, you know, they feel I, I'm very, I'm very flexible with, with the needs around that um, and honoring those kinds of things. And so they feel safe with me um, in a way that, that, you know, is, is special. Right. Because I found that I now am attracted to they're attracted to me for mostly women in my category, which are, you know, they've ended a long relationship, Mm -hmm. voluntary or involuntary. They're coming through a financial or health crisis. They Mm -hmm. had a career stop and they've lost a loved one. And those four traits, you know, our four exits on the road are north, south, east, and west. If mm-hmm. I look at the compass, those yeah. are the people that come into my circle. Yeah. And 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 I get you when you say I relate to them, I have empathy for them because, mm-hmm. oh, my goodness, I've traveled that road. Mm-hmm. And I know, ex- I won't say exactly, but I, you know, yeah, whether it's a highway, a parkway, or a turnpike, I, mm-hmm. yeah, you know they're pretty similar. Well, and, and I, understand. yeah, yeah, and I would say definitely um, there's there's common threads between my clients for sure. I mean, uh, like clearly, um, the people that are going to be most attracted to me are going to share some piece of my story they're going to resonate with the fact that maybe they've always felt outside in some way 
they're going to resonate with the fact that maybe they've, um, you know, maybe they have some like imposter syndrome or maybe they are really overqualified or they are a very complicated and very multi-passionate person. Um, and of course, the biggest thing is there's some degree of hiding um, who they are and learning to own who they are in a big way, um, especially that spiritual aspect. And that's true whether someone's coming to me for like a psychic reading or they're coming to me for, um, for coaching. Uh, right. There, that's, a, that's a big thing is that hiding of the self. Um, right. So. I call it the pretender syndrome. <laughs> I do because I, I I was pretending. It's like um, the way I describe it is in the outside world. I was exactly what you wanted me to be, but yeah. once I got inside my home, right, mm-hmm. <laughs> the mask comes off. Yeah, the mask comes off. I was just like. Oh. But, you know, now I use it and I say, you know, you know, the pretend doesn't work for me anymore. I'm no. going to be who I am inside as well as outside. And if yes. you're not comfortable with that, it's okay. Yeah, you know, totally. Because I'm the one that needs to be comfortable, not you. Absolutely. Yeah, and with respect to that. So a couple quick questions and then um, thing here. Who do you represent or what do you represent? You're going to have to say more about that. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> That's not a quick it's, question. It's, it's like it's on the path of the pretendous syndrome. So, you know, who is the true Alexis? Well, you're talking to her. Nice. Um. It, it's yeah. taken me a long time to um, to to be myself, but I don't hide for anybody anymore. I don't flaunt things necessarily because um, there's a time and a place. You know, you're not going to be dancing on a table at a five star restaurant, but. Um, but I am myself. Perfect. Uh, and, you know, if I wanted to get in touch with you, how do I do that? What do I do? Yeah. Um, the best place is uh, you, can find, you can find me on my website, which is alexisdonkin.com. I'm also, um, I have a newsletter where I'm going to be um, – it's actually it's going to get really juicy really soon actually so you definitely want to check this out. Um, it's alexisdonkin.substack.com and I'm also on TikTok and Instagram all the time. I drop a lot of fun videos and I love getting messages from people. So um, definitely feel free to reach out and and chat. I'm as friendly there as I am in this conversation. <laughs> Yay! 
<laughs> and yes, yeah, so this is Alexis Duncan, an amazing woman. L- last quick question. I think may, I may have 30 seconds or so. You know, what advice in a short, quick sentence, what advice would you give someone who is searching for her to release her pretender self? Hmm. I would say it is safe and good to be who you are. When you are yourself, you are fulfilling your divine purpose. You're living the reason why you're here. And it's okay that some people will be repelled by that because the right people will be magnetized by that. So, Alexis, thank you. I think we are so out of time, unfortunately. (laughs) But this was so much fun. I thank you for your patience. I appreciate you. Hopefully my technology self will be able to send you this recording because I see that you have have them posted on your site as well. And this is such a great listen for your audience to hear who Alexis Duncan is. Amazing, fabulous woman. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. All right. You have a wonderful day and take care of you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.